So it's, it's a really a short presentation. It's called uh, Global India Riding the Digital Wave. You know, I just thought that it's very opportune to, uh, uh, you know, perhaps just get an outside-in view about, you know, what is happening globally, um, you know, uh, what is changing in the roles of our clients. Because, you know, I service, in my, in my current job, you know, I service about 35 financial services customers. And um, this is really a reflection of, you know, how they are changing in terms of their, uh, you know, outlook, what are their pressures. And, uh, you know, if we as an industry are servicing that uh, clientele, so if we as an industry, uh, I, I, I look after technology and BPO at financial services in the financial services vertical. So if we are servicing them, you know, then how do we uh, kind of change? And how do we, uh, you know, continue to service them as customers and continue to, you know, have a growing relationship with them? So that's the purpose of this uh, short presentation. Um, obviously, the world around us is changing, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, we've all been reading so much news in the last couple of year, uh, couple of days about uh, you know the impact of the digital on uh, you know outsourcing and shared services in India, um, and kind of conflicting messages coming through, right? So you know, um, you know, how do we recognize the reality, and uh, you know, what do we do about it? I think that's the quick theme of this. So, um, you know, I just thought we'll lay down out here a couple of uh, comments people have made, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, what the expectation for the future is. The most, uh, you know, telling one was, uh, you know, from Capgemini CEO. He said that uh, I'm not very pessimistic. Uh, it's a challenging task, and I tend to believe that 60 to 65% of the people that we have are just not tradable. So, you know, so there are the statements uh, you know, have been made in the industry in the last two, three weeks. I just thought I'll put them together. Uh, and then there's another one, um, you know, which is from Satya Nadella. It says that where there's a lot of artificial intelligence, real intelligence will be scarce, real empathy will be scarce, real common sense will be scarce. So we can have new jobs that are actually predicated on those attributes. So, you know, so again, requirement for, uh, you know, back offices thinking to change people's cultures to change, so on and so forth. And then there's uh, Mukesh Bhai from Mukesh Ambani, uh, you know, as we know, they're creating waves here in terms of the... Uh, you know, the geo, he says that India has to be the capital of real implementation of blockchain to build the trust economy, to make sure we adapt artificial intelligence and natural language processing, that we adapt drones in terms of our own logistics. I think that the opportunities are immense. We now have the infrastructure to do it in our market and make India one of the biggest software markets in the world. So you can see the whole range of different kind of thinking coming through, right? So on one hand, uh, there is fear. Uh, on the other hand, there's optimism, and then there's the CEO of Microsoft again talking about you know new uh, new age requirements coming up, and of course the reactions to that uh, uh, you know Wipro has created automation platforms called Homes, um, and you know the the new and automation platforms that come in you know there is uh, obviously a you know duplication of labor is, is starts becoming scarce right so you you can eliminate lots of people and so on and so forth, and then Infosys says that there are eight thousand to nine thousand employees have been eliminated because of automation, right? So another talking about 7, 8% going off in a particular year. So what does it mean for us? And uh, as an industry, you know, how do we adapt to the digital age? You know, so that's kind of the thought process. Um, so I thought that, look, let's look at our customers, okay? Uh, most of the shared services that we have in India, and I'm, I'm keeping uh, like this kind of focus more towards the CIO, which is the technology side, and chief operating officer, which is on the operating side. But you can substitute the CEO with the CFO as well, you know, and you'll have a CFO, CIO. So as a customer, what is changing in their uh, landscape? And uh, as customers' needs change, you know, then we as an industry which are used to them as a client, how should we then adapt? I think that's the thought process. 
So first is that, you know, um, the, I believe that, the, that the, the, in the world today, um, the role of the CIO and CO is also rapidly changing, right? And um, um, yeah, so they have two options. One option is that, uh, you know, they get eliminated. That means you suddenly have uh, uh, some other people taking over the jobs that they do. The second option they have is that to reimagine their own roles, right? And if you think of a CIO who's, who's perhaps a high-flying CIO, he will perhaps reimagine his own role. He will relook at the way of things that he does. Um, and as our CIOs and CEOs reimagine their roles, we as service providers to that CIO, CEO can also change and then be a part of that change. So um, the, the speed of innovation in our clients, uh, you know, is that at a breathtaking space, at breathtaking pace. Um, you know, if you, if you really look at it in a more macro sense, um, you know, the Walmarts of the world, you know, are obviously are endangered by the Amazons of the world, right? So that's an extreme example. So, you know, while Walmart's market capital, uh, you know, is like half of uh, Amazon's market capital today, um, you know, many retail firms' market capital has actually diminished in the last 10 years, multiple times. It's gone down to 30, 40 billion from 100 billion dollars. Of course, Walmart retained its own. And therefore, the speed of change that's happening, let's say, in the retail industry is very high. Now, if I compare that to banking and financial services, uh, banking and financial services, you know, have still not been really hit by the fintechs. What they've been hit by is uh, in small pockets. But um, at the same time, you know, I feel that the fintechs are influencing the banking technology to think like fintechs. So, so while we don't have an Amazon-like equivalent in the banking space right now, so there is no such guy who's bigger than a JP Morgan Chase or bigger than a Wells Fargo as yet. Uh, most fintechs tend to be small. But the fintechs are making the banking uh, technologists, banking CIOs, CEOs think very differently. Okay, so therefore, uh, so the CIOs, therefore, you know, are, are encountered with a huge speed of innovation and change. You know, um, in, in the past, uh, the CIOs of, of banking industries came from a thought process that you could develop new technologies and new systems in a 24 to 36 month span of time, right? So that's how the work used to happen. You used to parcel out work to India. India did a lot of coding, did a lot of testing. New products were coming out in the banking industry in a three or four year time frame. That was all changed because now the fintech's influence on them is that the product should come out within seven, eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks. So the whole cycle time has crunched uh, substantially. And therefore, you know, they are now moving into what is called as, you know, a more open and versus proprietary build where they built everything themselves. They're going to more proprietary and uh, outside kind of stuff. There's also emergence of what is called a shadow IT. This is a very interesting term. So our, traditionally, the clients uh, of most IT firms have been, uh, you know, an organization which is controllable. So there's a CTO or a CIO or a COO. Uh, but now in the new digital world, the clients of most firms has become uh, what they call a shadow IT. They say 30% of the spend, uh, today's spend and perhaps future spend is not concentrated in the technologies office. It's actually in the business side. So a lot of business people are taking decisions about how technology should be spent, where it should be spent, et cetera. And therefore, the CIO, CEO becomes a change agent. Similarly, uh, you know, there's expectation in most of our firms is that, um, now again, let's look at it this way, okay? The banks are old, historic, 200, 300-year-old institutions. There's a CIO there who is supposed to be the technology wizard. Uh, and the industry is scared about what the fintechs will do. Therefore, the industry is expecting the technologists in the company to be the digital agents. So the CEOs of companies are going to the technology heads and saying that, hey, you know, we've got this fintech to worry about, we have this payment company to worry about, we've got this lending tree kind of money, uh, you know, to worry about. And therefore, uh, the expectation of their jobs is changing as well. So they're suddenly becoming more 
digital strategists, so they are expected to be up in terms of thinking about how digital works. Um, and the lead digital IT strategy. So they expect to lead the digital IT strategy that's happening. Um, and I think that in this, uh, so their, their roles are changing from, you know, being, uh, you know, dictator of jobs and actually outsourcing to India or getting work done from specific providers to more an orchestrator. So they have to suddenly work through, uh, you know, get some work done from fintechs, get some work done from service providers in India, uh, get some work done internally as well. So they are moving out from outsourcers to more orchestration of multiple outsourcing entities. The reason why I put this slide up is because, therefore, how do you how do you react to this change? Because you are, we are used to a certain thinking in the past where the, the our clients were large outsourcers buyers. They were coming in a single way and buying from us. Now they are buying in a more multiple uh, sort of a way. And as they reimagine their roles, because the pressure on them is to also get more digital, we need to reimagine the way we service them. Um, you know, in going forward. And I think uh, um, the other thing that's happening around us is that um, there is a huge change which the automation autonomics is bringing in. We spoke about that earlier. People speak about job elimination. But I believe that uh, you know, with job elimination also comes an, a whole new uh, wave of new job creation. Right? Because I think uh, uh, you know, machine has never replaced man. It's always been a man-machine combination which has worked uh, from a client's perspective. And therefore, um, you know, what uh, people are saying, and I, I completely agree. Noshir, by the way, is one of the guys who's been looking at this industry for 30 years. So, you know, all of us know that the McKinsey report, which came out in 1995, Indian outsourcing industry, he had written it. Um, so, you know, so it's about, like, how do you recreate um, an environment where you're changing skills of 40 million people, of about 4 million people, 40 lakh people, from what it is to service the, the future. So higher amount of automation, uh, tool-driven development, I think tool-driven uh, service will get very critical. And um, the whole digital and agile. Now, agile is another term which has come into the industry. Our industry has been formed, and at least on the IT side, on a particular model, which is called the waterfall model of development, which really meant that, uh, you know, work could be parceled out into pieces and sent to service, service providers to do. So there was a coding company, company did coding, somebody did testing, somebody did deployment. It was all done in a sequential manner, took a lot of time. The new world is about agility. The new world is requiring technology to be developed now in span of six weeks, eight weeks, ten weeks, as I spoke earlier. There's new concepts like squads and tribes, and there's a, people want to follow uh, technology the way it's developed by fintech companies, sorry, by high-tech companies, uh, the way technology developed by Google, the way technology is developed by Spotify. These are all companies which are leading companies in terms of new ways in which technology is developed. And I think as the industry moves towards that, some of the industry service providers will also have to change in that same manner, and uh, you know perhaps learn these new terms, you know, which we we, we call as uh, more more agile way of developing technology. Um, and therefore, uh, you know, as we as the industry gears up for the future, I think uh, there are three there are two things essentially which will have to change. You know, one is um, uh, the way the way we have approached, the way we have hired people, the cultures that we have created will have to suddenly change. And, um, you know, so that goes across, um, you know, uh, so, the, 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 so, so, so the workforce, the, the culture that we have today, um, you know, um, uh, and who, who, who creates the company's culture? One is the company itself. But I think that most of our culture is also created by the middle management which is there. So team leaders, they create the culture of the team. Their supervisors create the culture of the team leaders and so on and so forth all the way into the organization. So organizational culture has to change. Uh, you know, uh, you have to be more open to change. 
um, you know, industry is matured. 20 years of doing things in a particular manner has to change. So we are more in time and material, people-based models that changes uh, dramatically as well. Um, uh, the way in which technology is getting developed now is also changing. As I explained earlier, uh, Google like you know things when we say people campuses, uh, learning, uh, teaching, training, um, uh, the openness with which innovation happens. I think that's another change which we are seeing uh, you know, happening now uh, and has to happen continuously. And um, and then overall uh, reskilling of people because as I said earlier, earlier a lot of people were doing tasks. Um, you know, now now tasks become less relevant. Now the ability to deliver the whole becomes more important, and therefore, you know, that skilling has to change um, uh, as it as it goes. Um, similarly, in terms of the business model, um, the way the industry has been selling in the past, largely uh, you know people-based models, um, it changes to more value-driven. So, ability to take projects and to do the whole thing versus just do an activity becomes uh, more important. Um, more customer-centric work. So customer-centric work essentially means that in the past, a lot of works was happening corporate to corporate. Um, now it is actually the end consumer. So for example, in the banking system, uh, if we were first providing services to, let's say, a Bank of America or a JP Morgan Chase, we were working for a bank. Uh, now most probably we're working for the bank's customer. So, so the, the mortgages business of a bank or the, or the payments business of the bank and therefore the payment customer, what he expects, the customer-centric kind of uh, end customer-centric uh, behavior starts coming into technology development. Um, and then another thing that happens now is that uh, you know, a partnership, I think there'll be more focus on that because no company will perhaps be able to do it by themselves. We are seeing that new technologies which come in, uh, even large firms have to partner with smaller firms uh, who bring in that expertise, technology. So how do you do it in a collaborative manner? That will change. And um, and the whole operating model as well. I think that that uh, that will change. So so as the industry goes from, you know, task-based uh, and perhaps activity-based to more uh, program-based, outcome-based, um, I think that's the opportunity for us. Um, you know, um, I, I, I know that... Uh, uh, whether we are in the IT side or whether we are in the BPO side, that pressure will be felt. Uh, you know, automation comes in. It comes in everybody's lifetime. Um, I'm sure our, our forefathers, etc., saw the mechanization happen. Um, you know, and they, they 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 overcame that. So people now say that this is the fourth fourth industrial revolution, which perhaps is in front of us. So it throws up new challenges, throws up new opportunities. Um, you know, because we have followed the industry for 15, 20 years, we know that the talent pool exists. Uh, but if we're able to change culture, we will change the way in which we develop the models that we develop with our customers. If we're able to change that, um, you know, I'm extremely optimistic, uh, you know, about uh, ability to take this whole thing forward. In fact, I think it will be positive as well because, uh, to some extent, um, the our clients have been driving us to a cost basis play. They they look at India as a as a uh, you know, subsidized cost pyramid, right? The lowest cost uh, producer. Um, uh, but this change now will force us to become uh, the best value producer. You know, it's almost like if you compare, you know, in the good old days, the Chinese goods versus the Japanese goods, right? So China always had many, many volumes of goods, but the quality was to be suspect, right? And then when you went and bought a Japanese good, you always bought something of the same, uh, did the same work, but did a higher value, right? I think that, that's what will happen, uh, you know, over time uh, if we are able to appropriately, you know, uh, move ahead in the industry. So that I thought was important. I think digitization is an opportunity, and uh, you know all of us will hopefully benefit from that going forward. Yeah. So thank you.